Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Good morning, Jenny. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? It's a it's I'm a time change good. weekend, right? While we're recording. Right. So yeah. we got a gift. Yeah, we got an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> well, I think you needed it too, right? Oh my gosh, I did. We've moved to Asheville and that means we're now attending more theater than we used to. <laughs> and and it means later nights and sometimes like last night's show, we caught up with Actors we have loved for years and years and years who are in the audience for the show and sitting right around us. It was wild. We went to our seats and we were like, well, we bought a little late. So we're a little further back, a little higher up than we'd normally like. But as people are coming in to sit for the show to the right is one of our favorite couples behind us, another one in front of us, another one. And it was just it was wonderful. It was like being enveloped in all of your favorite creative people. Uh And so we stayed for quite a long time after the show chatting. Um, there was like a little weird incident in the aisles after the show too, but we stayed, we stayed for a while chatting and then it's like, do we go on to Waffle House next? Which is sort of a traditional. <laughs> and Here and I so, yeah. you guys were going to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, Waffle House is the place. It's so wild, but, but there aren't, I mean, it, like on clo- tomorrow's closing night, they'll probably go to a bar, but um <laughs> But yeah, that's it's it's one of those things where it's really neat to catch up with everyone. So the kerfluffle in the aisle. I had my hearing aids in because I wanted to be able to hear, and that's why I wear them. And I was able to hear some of it, but not all of it. Basically, people to first off, I should note this is a black box theater. There are probably 12 rows. <laughs> like when I say okay. we were a little further back than we'd like, 12 rows, right? And, and it's stadium style seating. There's no, there's no shitty seat here. It's it's yeah. all good. But we're maybe for us, we were maybe seven rows back. And then um someone up on the other side of the aisle towards the front, as they get up, all of a sudden, what I could hear was someone going, Well, your loud, obnoxious, and performative laughter ruined the show for us. Like, and I'm like, what is happening right now? First off, it's a comedy. Secondly, I didn't notice any loud, obnoxious, or performative laughter anywhere. <laughs> and, but it was a, the sort of show where the person on the stage will say something and people are like, yeah, right on, or what, yeah. you know, like that kind of a thing. And then when, when something's funny, you're yeah. laughing a bunch. And some people laugh in a way that is more noticeable than other people, <laughs> but it's just how they laugh, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, what? And the people around us, the our favorite actors are all like, what's going on up there? And as we walk out, I'm going rather quickly past the spat because I don't want to be a part of that. And Mark, my partner, slows down. <laughs> and oh, yeah. That's, he, it, yeah. 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 I mean, he's the rubbernecker. And as we get around the corner, when he catches up to me, he's like, someone was on their phone the whole performance. And I'm like. Yeah, I know, right? You know exactly how bad that is. And I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea. Because where we were, opposite side, further back, I didn't see a glow or anything. So I was unaware because 
because I'm that person. If I was aware and they didn't stop, I'd actually go out and tell someone and get them fucking removed because, <laughs> because that is obnoxious. It's disrespectful yeah. to the performer. And this was a one woman show oh my and God. they were in the second row. <gasps> so that's some bullshit, right? Yeah. But apparently when called out, their reaction was to be like, yeah, but you're annoying. And that was... Yeah. So I caught the, yeah, but you're annoying part. I see. But also, as soon as it erupted, the guy managing the lights, 13th row behind us, right, jumps over his little stand and starts running down to get in the middle of this so that it doesn't become bad. The funny thing is, the fact that that guy did that tells me that there have been, like, fisticuffs before, you know? Like... like he, he certainly he it's gone. a possibility. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so one of the things we have, I think three different friends who have really unique laughs. Okay. Right. So if you're in a crowd of say a hundred people and people start laughing, I could point at my friends. Like I, yeah. I can be like, mm-hmm. Oh, she must be up there <laughs> because yeah. their laughs stand out. Yeah. But that also means when we've gone to theater with them and sat with them, we have been there when people in front, behind, or beside will say, you're ruining the show for me because you're reacting. And it's it's so policing in a really, to me, really inappropriate way. <laughs> so we've I seen can't, that I mean, happen. I, I think that's really interesting because I've been annoyed by the way people laugh or respond to things, but I can't imagine saying someone something to someone. Yeah. I've said something to someone who's been talking during the show. That's different. Talking but, is a completely different thing. Yeah, but if they were just reacting to the show, like, I just can't imagine telling, like, you know, people have yeah. annoying habits. That's just how, you know, sometimes people, like, you know, clear their throat all the time. That's just something you have to deal with when you're in society, right? Like, yes, absolutely. And it is not their job to tamp down their joy so that you aren't bothered by it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's anyway, it's, it's interesting to me. It was interesting to see the fallout of it, but the, the play itself, which is only this weekend. So there's no point in my advertising it, but it was marvelous. And it was when we went to see the Tempest a few weeks back, the um the actress who played Prospero, this is a one-woman show she was doing. Mm. And we loved her so much as Prospero that as soon as I saw the tickets go up, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, we're going to that. I don't even know what it's about and we're going. <laughs> and, and it turned out it was like stories from her younger life um, with music that she'd written, songs that she'd written. And she's a hilarious storyteller. And a great songwriter. It was really wonderful. So do you think that folks might want to hear about sewing? I mean, no. Uh, Yes, obviously. (laughs) I do think that might be what they're here for. What have you been up to, Beverly? Well, I've been in Brixanne's Smarty Pants class. And um, so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, this has been so good. It is so fun. The way that Brixanne has these make us make these tools and like to get your crotch curve is a funny thing to do. And she has all these tools for helping you get it. And it's it's funny and it's fun. And I highly recommend it. Um, so far we've made the class teaches you how to make three separate blocks. Um, one block for 
um, a relaxed fit. And this is not a pattern. It is still a block. It's a relaxed fit block. She does her blocks a little differently in that, like, you could take a, a block, a regular block and make it more or less fitted, you know, want the same block with the, by your patterning. But the way she does it, we have a relaxed fit, a semi fit and a fit pants block that we're making and then you'll make pattern changes from each of those and so we did the relaxed fit first because it's um essentially a skirt with legs you know it's yeah it's yeah really just it's it's mostly that so you kind of get just the crotch curve in but no shaping in the legs and and see it should hang down straight from your widest point and all these kind of things so I've made that. Um, it's not the kind of thing that unless I was making maybe lounge clothes, I would probably use, but it's a great starting point for understanding the, the blocks. Right. Beyond. Of course. Yeah. So um, it's, a, it, it's great. It's a great class and I'm really, really enjoying it. And I can't wait to make pants out of it. Um, the other thing that I did was I made myself, I, I've been needing some like tops or I've been wanting some tops and I made myself the love notions ballad blouse. This is a, um, this is a button down top. It doesn't have a collar. It has a sewn it sewn down facing, which I mm-hmm. enjoy. Um, and it has at the, there's a, there's options, but, um, in the front, so there's a back yoke that carries forward to the front a bit. And in the front, right in front of that yoke, you either gather in the front part or you do, uh, shearing. Um, Okay. Yeah. So I gathered in and I was thinking about actually converting those gathers into a dart um, and maybe even just a shoulder dart because that would kind of be interesting. Um, But I didn't do that. Anyways, I made one. Mine is a it's a short sleeve blue linen, really beautiful blue linen. And um, and I like it a lot. So uh, it has a um, a curved hem on the bottom. And I think I'm going to make one with a straight hem. It looks very much like a blouse that I could imagine you really enjoying and mm-hmm. being able to have some fun with as well. Yeah, it's really nice. I wore it to work, although uh, before I washed it, and I usually prefer to wash things before I wear them because I, I find that, especially with linen, all the pressing I do and whatever kind of puts yeah. it a little bit out of shape, but um, I'll wash it and wear it again. What have, awesome. have you been making? I decided to revisit a dress that I haven't sewn in a very long time, The Honeyborn, from uh, Jenny Rushmore's first book. Uh, ahead of the curve. Above the curve? Okay, ahead of it. I'm like, it's something with the curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> ahead of the curve. And The Honeyborn is a really basic um, semi-fitted top. It's got uh, waist starts front and back, and it's got bust starts at the front. And it has um, sleeves that are set in but not gathered. and um, and then a, a gathered skirt that is made out of four panels. There's a center front, a center back, and two sides. Okay. So, um, and I, I think that is because at most of the advanced sizing, the larger sizing, you would not be able to do a front and a back putting it on the fold. It's too much, uh. too much fabric, too much real estate. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why it's been done in that way. But I, I like it. I'm really enjoying that shape. And I want to think about adding some piping or something else on those seams at the front and the back at some point. So it's center front, center back, and then sides that go around the sides. So just curious, are there pockets? 
there are not. Oh, interesting. Which for me, totally normal. I'm okay. Although I have thought about, like, I've got a version I'm working on now that we'll talk about in the future, but I've thought about putting patch pockets on the version I'm doing now. But I made two of those. And when I've made them before, the thing I've known is that the the bust start is not right for me. It is, it comes in a little bit above my bust and um, not quite far enough in for where my boobs sit. So my boobs have dropped and they've separated a bit. So I need, I need my darts to match that. And I went ahead and moved the darts. Yay! I never, ever, ever, ever do that. And you gave me the hints on a podcast on how to do that. And Mm -hmm. I I just fucking did it. And do you know what? I think it's one of my favorite dresses now because, because I've done that and it works better. The other thing I changed about it is I usually fit it off of my high chest. Uh And then I pick the cup size based on the difference like you're supposed to like a normal way of doing that and I went ahead and and did it because I every time I do that I think it's just a little bit too tight here even though it should be that size so I went ahead and I picked my size based on that and then I added one size I just I just moved (laughs) it up I'm like that's the lazy way but I'm going to see if it works yeah and it worked it worked to make the shoulder this like where your underarms and your chest kind of connect to make that feel comfortable. I'm not sure. um, Well, with the fabrics I'm using, nobody will ever see any difference there anyway. I'm not sure whether if I put it in like a stark white and tried to look to see what the drag lines are and so on, whether it would be right, but it's comfortable so I think that yeah. matters more than whether it's right. So that's yeah. the way I'm going to do this one going forward. Um, and I and I I loved it. So I've made a couple and I've got I've got a couple more cut out. But I got an opportunity to do some testing for someone that got me a nice percentage off on a fabric store that mm. sells Merchant and Mills. <gasps> and so I picked up a bunch of merchant and mills at this really great percentage off that I'm going to make honeyborn dresses out of. Oh, because that's it, nice. It's just such a lovely dress. It's very simple. It can be casual. It could be more formal. Mm-hmm. It's just the perfect dress. The other thing I've done differently. What? Okay. So I'm going to be making some really broad assumptions that are absolutely not what happened, but in my brain, it has to be what happened in Cashmere patterns that you buy as individual patterns. I've I've never had an issue with the sleeves fitting. The sleeves are always fine, whether it's knit or woven. Sleeves are always mm-hmm. fine. Upton, all of that. On the Honeyborn, in a book that's about how to make adjustments to things, the sleeves are too tight at the size that I wear. And I would have to do a full sleeve, full bicep uh-huh. adjustment. And I just, I don't want you to. I know how purpose. to do it. Sorry? Do you think she did it on purpose so you do the adjustment? I do. I do. I think I think that's what happened. Now, again, 100% do not take that from me. That is definitely yeah. not Jenny just made a dress. It mm-hmm. must be a much more like a closer fitted sleeve than the Upton, things yeah. like that. It doesn't matter. What I did instead is I just made the, I cut out the sleeve for the largest size. So And I gather um, it at the cap. So you didn't think of just um, like comparing it to your other ones? You mean like laying it over the Upton sleeve? Yeah. I did think about that and I could just take the Upton. It's close enough. I could take the yeah. Upton sleeve for it, 
but I went super easy. I just took the larger yeah. size and I gather the cap of it and it's barely gathered. I think even you would not look at this and go, that is too much. I think, <laughs> I think it's not super noticeable in the yeah. versions I have because it's, it's gathered for like two inches directly across the top of the shoulder, but they're not big gathers. It's just enough yeah. to pull it in. Right. And, and that so, makes the sleeve fit beautifully. It's slightly longer, which I also like. So it just, it's doing a lot of work for me that I don't have to do. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so one thing I wanted to note, first of all, is I remember when we were first, we were in New York City when we were first talking about moving the bus start. And I just want, if other folks also are just like, I can't be bothered with this. I'm just going to wear everything at the wrong bus start. Um, I just want to <laughs> mention that, Jenny was stunned to find out how easy it is. Yes. It's one of the easiest adjustments. It's not like a full bust adjustment. It's actually cutting a square and moving it down an inch or yep. two inches or whatever, you know, and then just filling in with paper. It is one of the easiest things you will do. And for those of us of a certain age, most we probably have gonna to be moving it down. single time. You're going to have to do it if there's a dart. So... <laughs> uh, it's it's an easy adjustment. You can look it up on uh, on YouTube and you'll find a million ways, but it is seriously simply just cutting out a square that includes the the dart, moving it down to the appropriate place and filling in the paper. Yeah, and it, it really was that easy. And it's not just for those of us whose boobs are hanging lower and lower every season. Mm -hmm. it, it's also going to be useful if you're doing an adjustment. You know, they've got that line for lengthening and shortening your bodice. Yeah. But sometimes when you do that, you've blown the proportion for yourself. And now it, I think that it's going to, yeah, make the effort to learn it. Don't wait 40 plus years to learn how to do it like I did. Mm -hmm. You can definitely take advantage of it sooner than that. But otherwise, I made a couple of Halloween costumes, which are posted on my grid. One of them, I took the Tate romper and I widened the back bodice panel. This is that romper that has just a four inch bodice like panel that ends basically at the largest part of your bust and then you gather pants onto it and for the back of it I made that panel the width of the pants so there's no gathering I just sew the pants straight onto it and I used elastic in two channels so that it would be elasticized and I could just pull it on and off so mm -hmm. I did that in black linen from fabricstore.com and then I took um that that inspirational costume I shared with you on a recent episode where they had used a table runner from Target that was a skeleton. I added a zip, a zipper, a separating zipper, half of that zipper, the half that doesn't have the zipper on it, to the Tate romper at the point between the two um, ties on the bodice. And then I added the other half of the separating zipper to the top of the table runner so I can zip it on and off. And now I have a black Tate romper with a little zipper tooth accent at the front that I can zip things onto or not. And it looks super cute without anything on it. It just looks like some sort of weird rickrack that I've put there. <laughs> and with it on, I can zip on the skeleton and I've got a whole mask. And I used a like a temporary tattoo for the skeleton face on my face. Which really, I learned two things. One is that it was super easy to apply. I was shocked. I was thinking, I'm gonna, this is gonna be terrible, but it was very easy to apply, just like a temp tattoo. Uh -huh. You lay it on your face and then you put a wet cloth on it and hold yeah. it there for 30 seconds and boom, you have a face but tattoo. Doesn't it hard to get off? Haha. -ha. 
that's what I thought would happen too, but it wasn't. Two things. Baby oil, first off, can remove it very quickly and easily, but I didn't have any baby oil the first night that I wore the costume. And I'm like, fuck. But the instructions say, or scotch tape. And I'm like, what is this magic? So I brought my scotch tape that I use for the very rare occasions that I tape patterns together into the bathroom. I pulled out a length about the you know width of half of my face. And I just, I'm like, I guess you just press it on it. So I pressed it on it, pulled it off. Tattoo was off on that part. So now I had to do this over and over to get oh, all the so pieces funny. of the tattoo off, but it just came off. And then I just moisturized like normal, like to, I wonder if like, you could use like a lint roller, if that would. I don't know, but it was wild how it wow. came off. It was really good. Then I got some baby oil so that the next night I wouldn't have to tape my face over and over again. But but it really worked. It was super easy. So loved that. Cool. Um, sadly, I do have two more things. Can I share about them? Yeah, They're not. Sure, sure. So I'm going to start with the talent show. So when I say talent show, you think probably like talent, singing, dancing, juggling, mime. I don't know. What else would you do? So my nine-year-old granddaughter had a birthday party and she wanted to be the MC and she wanted a talent show. So everybody was instructed to come with a talent and I have no talents. Like that's, I'm that not a talent. totally untrue. Okay. But hold a on. Closet full of clothes you've I do yourself. have a closet full of talents. So when her mother announced it, I posted very facetiously I can sew a dress in under an hour. And she's like, great, you're on the program. And I'm like, fuck, what's <laughs> happening right now? So, so I get there. I brought a couple pieces of fabric for a child to select from so that one of them could pick who wanted to dress. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I can make a pillowcase dress, I think, in under 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I can do it in well under an hour. So I was the first on the agenda because I had to get started, right? So I'm mm-hmm. up there and they're like, what's your talent? And I'm like, oh my God, guys, I said I could make a dress in under an hour. But do you think I can do it in 45 minutes? And they're like, no. and I'm like, what about 30? And they're like, oh. <laughs> and none of them have any idea, like, what effort this is or anything else. But then I'm like, well, then I'm going to go. I got to get two measurements, start the clock. And I get my granddaughter's um, chest measurement and the drop from here to under her arm, from her shoulder to under her arm. Cause those are the two things I really need. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, awesome. And I just take off at a dead run for the sewing machine. And I forgot to set a timer. Oh. So I have no idea how time is going by. I get back there and I'm like, fuck, she doesn't have a searcher. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm French seaman, this bad boy. <laughs> and I know, right? And so I'm so and so. And I've got Meanwhile, two narrow... as if they would know that the seams were finished. I know, I know, but I want to do it right. So, and I've got to do the two straps. I didn't bring us uh, like a tube turner. I didn't do any of that. So I'm sitting here and my daughter only has those like three quarter of an inch safety pins, which are the stupidest safety pins in the world. <laughs> and so I'm doing all of this and people keep coming back as they finish. Like one lady's talent was to eat a cupcake in one bite. <laughs> and so people keep coming back as they finish their talents. And I'm like, how much time do I have left? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, 
So I get done, I run out and I'm like, what time is it? And they said, 28 minutes. And I'm like, yes. And then she tries it on and it was glorious. So I just had to share that. <laughs> I got to use my sewing as a talent. It fit. Of course it fit. Yes. It was beautiful. Awesome. And two other little girls wanted to know if I would make them dresses. So oh. I gave their parents my information and said, if they sent me what type of fabric, like what they wanted on the fabric and those two measurements, I would make them a dress. <laughs> So I think I'm in for more dresses. And then my last one relates to our topic, which is PF self-care, right? Yes. That's this month. Uh-huh. This afternoon, I have a Zoom class for an hour and a half about basically what kind of changes happen in your body as you get older and older and the ways in which you can embrace those, not change them, not fix them, not mend them, but embrace them, how to think about um, crepey skin and lines and boobs that are shifting further downward and <laughs> things like that. So I'm taking a self-care class on loving the skin that you're in as it becomes different skin. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Okay. Do you want to talk about some new patterns? I love new patterns. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, the first one, so uh, this is the Francis collection from Victory Patterns. And one of the reasons that I selected this is Victory has just recently started making patterns in our size range. And awesome. um, I think this is a really neat um, pattern. It look, it's got, um, it's now, is this a knit dress? It looks like a knit dress to me. Okay. Because they're showing top. it as fitted. Yeah. It's a, and there's no darts. So right. there's, it, there's a hip length. Okay, let me start over. There's a there's sort of three things in it. There's a crop top, a hip length top, and a dress, and then like a belt. And all of them, the the top part is the same, right? And it's just it looks like a, a fitted t-shirt, um, but it has a wide opening and um, these like straps that are uh, what do you call those? The, would you call those straps? What do you call them? If the, the, I just call them spaghetti. Yes, thin spaghetti strap, but it's not a strap strap because it's tying from side to side, right? Yeah, so it's like tying the back. It's keeping, it's allowing you to have a wide open neckline wide without deep. it falling off your shoulder. So Yeah, um, I, I actually love that. I think that's yeah. marvelous. I think it's, I like it too, because I like, um, I like open necklines. And this one has like an open back area. Um, and it comes in two different size bands. It is a t-shirt dress. I was, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, it is a t-shirt dress. I lost myself on that. But um, it has, it, it, I really like, you should go to the, we've linked in there in the show notes. Also the, you know, of course the pattern. And if you go there, you'll see the two different size bands and um, the, the models in them. And I, I think it's a really lovely t-shirt dress. <laughs> Yeah, I actually just uh, went and bought it because that <laughs> because that particular feature, the low scoop back with the tie to hold it together is one that I love. And obviously I could create it myself, but they have they've designed the dress I would design with it. So, you know, cool. why why not make sure I'm I'm getting that from the source material? I also love that it comes with just a skinny self-fabric belt because I would swear I was in fifth grade and for our fifth grade class trip, I wore this dress with oh. the low scoop back with the tie and with a thin scabric fabric belt 
the dress was bright red and all of the places that you'd use bias binding on it were um were white it was just a red and white dress and that's what i wore for our school trip that year and it was basically it was this dress oh nice and i hadn't even thought about that in however many years it's been since i was in 5th grade which is a lot well based <laughs> on your shrimp cocktail dress i think you definitely need to make this in red red oh is my good gosh. One. Red was good on me. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I wore the shrimp cocktail dress to a cocktail event a couple days after Halloween. That's great. That's which awesome. was a great conversation starter. <laughs> Everybody so. wanted to talk about it. So <laughs> it was awesome. Um, our next one, we actually re- received um, a an advance notice of this from the pattern company. This is Amy of Melbourne, who created the Marana skirt. Um, going up to a 63-inch hip and a 73, sorry, 63-inch waist and a 73-inch hip. This is an A-line skirt that is designed to be like skirts from the 1940s. So it's something that fat sewists have been asking for for always, which is the ability to have some retro vintage patterns. And there are several companies out there that do this, but this is another entry for it. The other thing that makes this one a little bit unusual is that it comes with some adaptable ideas for how to open and close the skirt for use by folks who have different mobility issues. So it's, Mm. it's like a, it's, it's a really neat idea. Um, and it's, it's really cute. Obviously the, the pictures of it, if you look at the photos, when you go to their website, there's some really great images of people at different body sizes, wearing the skirt in different ways. And I, I love it. I think it'd be a great addition for someone who would like to bring some of that forties flair into their wardrobe. I will mention that, um, it's similar to men and broad in that I'm the smallest size. Yes. So yes, it's not, that's a, true. It, it is, it's a, it's for larger sizes. Um, and then our last one sort of relates to a special feature we're going to have today later on in the show, um, the made to measure book by Elisa Lex of by hand London was released on the second in the UK and on the 5th of November in the United States. And this is a really neat book. So for me, when I first read about it, I thought, oh, it's like, sleeker fancier versions of DIY Daisy's book mm-hmm. how to sew anything which has has basically rectangles that are made into garments nothing wrong with that i love and continue to make yes. many of those patterns right but it it isn't quite that it starts with your basic measurements and says hey if you wanted to make a blouse out of that you would probably add this much ease from side to side. So let's draw that shape on a piece of paper and then let's add arm size in a, you know, like a standard arm size shape and so forth to it. So it's, it's more sort of drafting an individual pattern for you. What would, what would it look like if a friend walked you through that? And that's what the book feels like to me is what would it look like if a friend walked you through drafting different things and it's got it's got a couple of tops, a couple of dresses, some skirts, some pants, including wraparound pants. Wow. <laughs> and it's it's just really kind of exciting and they're interesting. And as you're reading, she describes things like, um, like if, if you've got a sleeve you already love, why not use that for your newly designed sleeve hole? Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, how can we make that work for you? Yeah. And so it's, it really is if, as if just like a sewing friend sat down with you and said, Hey, why don't we just try and 
and design that top just for you. And yeah. what would that look like? And so it's it's kind of cool, but that's out. And that's got 16 new patterns in it for you. Wow, that's <laughs> exciting. I'm I'm really excited to read through this book and um and 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 find some you know new ideas. I I'm really into this idea of drafting things based on my measurements. I mean, it's it it's really changed the way that that I see sewing, and I think that this is a very good addition. It looks like a really great entry point for people that's yeah. not as scary as taking like a class or something and something about having a book, you know? Yeah. Being able to futz around with it at home is, is a plus. Mm-hmm. And um, even within the book, there are things that would be like your first one probably shouldn't be your wraparound pants, right? You might want to start <laughs> with a different design, but mm-hmm. there are plenty of designs that are appropriate for that. And one of the things that stood out for me is um, there's a circle skirt that's in the book, like how to do a circle skirt, which there are a thousand calculators for, but my objection to them has always been very few of those calculators recognize that past a certain waist point, your skirt is 12 inches long. That's all you can get out of the fabric, (laughs) right? Without doing something different. And um, just flipping through the book, because I have not read every page yet, um, just flipping through the book on the circle skirt, it has a diagram that's like, and these are different ways you could cut that circle out in order to get a full circle because the size of the fabric you're cutting it from may not give you a skirt. So you yeah. need to think about where would you put your seams? And I I appreciated that addition. Mm-hmm. I know for me, side note for people who find that their skirts are 10 inches long, if you use a standard circle skirt cutter, what I've always done is say, hey, I would like you to give me a pattern for a half circle skirt with half my waist size. And then I make two of them. Mm-hmm. Or you know what I mean? So you yeah. can you can cheat the the calculators yeah. to get what you need yeah. as well if you have to. But anyhow, I, I really enjoyed it. And at the a little bit later in this program, um, you're going to get to hear an interview that I had with Elisa Lex, where we talked about the book and the effort of publishing it and the designs in it and the visuals and all those kinds of things. So that's <laughs> awesome. Well, it's really great to uh, to be able to have this opportunity to chat with one of our favorites. We have with us today, Elisa Lex on the on on her new book, and I'm dying to have some conversations about it. So how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me back as well. It's amazing. This is I think this is the first time I'm a, for me, first or second time that I'm a returning podcast <laughs> guest, which feels very, very prestigious. Yeah, it's it's really nice to be able to have you back. And of course, on the event of your first book being published. I know it's, as we record, just been released in the UK and is coming out everywhere else in mere days. And I can't imagine how overwhelmingly excited you must be. Uh, yeah, overwhelmed, excited, a little bit terrified, all of the, all of those kind of relieved, so many emotions. And actually, I um because we had a, a couple of delays with the shipping and so some changes to the publication date, I got my dates confused and I thought that it was coming out everywhere in the world next on, on the 7th of November, which is next week, Tuesday. Um, so when yesterday 
which was the 2nd of November, which I've now learned was the UK publishing day. Everyone started <laughs> posting. I was like, what's going on? Uh, so it was, it took me by surprise, a really, really amazing surprise. So I'm kind of just, um, yeah, riding, riding this high and feeling so grateful for everyone sharing, you know, pictures of their books that have been landing on their doorsteps and, and really just mostly hoping now that, um, that people actually enjoy the process of, of following the projects and, and that they find it useful and that they find it inspiring. And so, yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. It is, it is just, even just to physically hold, it's a really lovely book. So I'm one of those people who judges a book by its cover. I very <laughs> much, I can tell in a, a bookstore when I, if I just walked in blindfolded, I could feel up a bunch of books and tell which ones I'm likely to like. Um, I can also just look at them and tell too, but both fiction and nonfiction like this. And one of the things I love about it is the material that's been used for the cover of the book. Sometimes there's that glossy material and this is more of a matte finish. And I love, I love the physical feel of the book, if that makes sense. There's, totally, there's, totally. I yeah, wish I could take any credit for that. I absolutely can't take any credit for that whatsoever. That's all. <laughs> down to the art director Haley, amazing whole publishing team so it's a good sign because it's even when you if you just feel the book without looking at it the lettering of the title is a different texture Mm. (laughs) it's so dumb but it's something I actually look at in books when I'm picking them up off the shelves to make decisions about it so it it feels good in your hands as the place that it starts and then visually on the front cover of the book you have some illustrations of the patterns and of sewing, I guess, gadgets, um, pins, things like that. But you have three different pictures of models showing the different patterns. And as someone who fights for plus size representation, I'm so excited that one of those models is visibly a plus size model and looking absolutely slinky and amazing in, um, in a really simple dress, a very simple dress that has all the features needed to make impact when you walk into a room. So it's, it's, I just, I just really love it. So tell us about the process of building a book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, wow. I think I've slightly, <laughs> I, think I've, uh, I think I've slightly shut out all of the, the stressful parts. Cause honestly, my memories of the process are really, are really great memories. And I really do put a lot of that down to, the team that I worked with, they were incredibly supportive uh, and just a really wonderful team of women, all incredibly, um, you know, just really championing of my vision of what I wanted to do, really encouraging. They all had incredible input and advice. So they were really, really uh, an amazing publisher to work with and that they're a US-based publisher called Quarto. Um, it was I mean, everyone, you know, I've spoken to various friends of mine who have written books in the past and they've all kind of, you know, looked at me wide eyed with slight terror, kind of, you know, you can uh-huh. see the former lingering <laughs> there. And <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, but nevertheless, it's still been something that I've always wanted to do at some point. And um, it was, I mean, it was a lot of work and it, and it also coincided with a, a time in my life, which was, um unforeseeably busy uh so I, I i think i signed the contract for the book in july of 2022 and then in august i got engaged and 
for one reason or the other, we ended up planning our wedding in seven weeks. Uh, of course. Because the venue became available and it was just that, just that was just, <clears throat> excuse me, how it ended up working out. So I was, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just had, had like book deadlines and wedding deadlines and, and, um, it was, it was a lot going on for sure. But, but it was amazing. It was really, it was really a highly creative process. Um, and, and I think it was, it gave me the kind of environment where I really thrive, which is a project based environment. Um, I, you know, I, I, I find that if I have to work on something that's a bit too monotonous for too long, I lose interest. Right. So I love to have this kind of <laughs> an end, which is why patterns and, and things like that work so well for me. Um, and, and it was a, you know, obviously there are no patterns in the book. And this was something that I had. Um, I was a little bit nervous about to begin with because I think, you know, a, a kind of traditional sewing pattern book probably would have been the safer option. Um, but there are so many great sewing pattern books out there already. And, um, and obviously then there are, there are the issues that come with sewing pattern books. Like, are you going to provide the patterns in a digital format or are they going to be, you know, as part of the book layered on top of each other to save paper? Um, so, and, and this whole concept of self-drafting is something that I've been increasingly interested in. I've been interested in it from, from day one, but as, as something that can be a viable, um, not necessarily alternative, but something that can be a complementary product to sewing patterns has been something that I've been wanting to explore in a lot more depth. Um, so the book seemed like the perfect opportunity to do that. Um, so, and you've yeah. been exploring it somewhat with the patterns available through By Hand London, of course. There's, there's an amount of, I mean, I love the skirt pattern that that you released that had that was less of a pattern and so this is this feels like a a continuation of sort of that concept so obviously every mom has a favorite child no that's not true but um <laughs> but what is if you had a pattern in here that you would consider a go-to for yourself what might that be um in the book so in the book i would say that the pattern that i have well, the pattern that I have made for myself the most um, is the prairie dress. Ah, okay. So, and that's a that's kind of a it's a simple princess themed bodice um, with kind of loose fitted grown on sleeves. Uh, it's got a nice waistband and a half circle skirt. It's got lots of scope for kind of alteration and further hacking. In the book, I made it with a with the bodice front and back in contrasting fabric to the rest of the dress, which turned out really well. Um, because I'm pregnant right now as well, I've I've been able to kind of very easily alter the pattern to raise the waistline. So it's one of the few things that still fits me, um, which is great. And and I think it's probably maybe one of the patterns or one of the projects in the book that is um is most representative of my personal style, I suppose. Um 
but we'll see we'll see I mean obviously I had to do all I made all the samples for all the models <laughs> when we were testing and everything so um and I was I was the kind of size wise I was closest to the model that I made the prairie dress for so I've I've kind of kept that sample for myself <laughs> so, so I'm sure I'll I'm sure as the seasons and time goes by I'll be making more of the other ones for myself and you know these like my taste changes my preferences change uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how my taste um, evolves in relation to the book as time goes by as well Absolutely. Although one of the things I really liked about the book or appreciated about it was there were a number of pieces that are are able to be put together to create a dress or a jumpsuit sort of look. So you've got tops and bottoms um, mm-hmm. in addition to pieces that are intended to be made as full on dresses, for example. Um, and And there's a lot of flexibility there in the language around how to draft the pattern. There's a lot of flexibility built in, which I thought was lovely. If I can gush about the look of the book again, one of the other <laughs> things I really appreciate is in the interior, the way that sort of cursive handwriting has been used as headers, and then the blocks of text have plenty of space between them, so it doesn't feel overly crowded. Same thing with the images. Sometimes I'll get a sewing book, particularly when I look at vintage ones, where the images are almost relegated to a second place within the book, even though they're probably conveying more information <laughs> than the writing is yeah, for the particular thing because a lot of times sewing to me feels like a visual medium instead of instead of words like I'd never have been able to make a welt pocket based on just work like there has to be a picture with arrows (laughs) well that's why I love I I love Japanese sewing books so much because I mean obviously I can't read Japanese but I can follow the projects based on their diagrams because they are just the top notch in my opinion yeah, they, they are really great diagrams. I think for me, the place they fall down is they wouldn't fit my thigh, but right, exactly. <laughs> like, like the whole dress wouldn't. And and that's, that tends to be a bit of a problem. But with made to measure, they do. I can make them fit me. And I, I even noted on um, one of the circle skirt patterns, you noted the different ways you can piece together that circle because that was... For me, when I came back to sewing much later in my life, circle skirts, like my ideal volume, in fact, a double circle skirt is my favorite, favorite volume, (laughs) but getting up to that volume, right, is really, really critical. But when you go out to most circle skirt calculators, for example, they, you really are kind of done at the end of what a 58 inch piece of fabric can do for a waist size and a skirt length, because they aren't, nobody's telling you that. (laughs) And I appreciated just an illustration that said, hey, there's some ways that you can piece that together in order to more successfully make a circle skirt that doesn't just skim the tops of your thighs if exactly. you're a larger waist size. And of course, there are other reasons to piece too, as you noted, for color blocking. Um, you can do that with a circle as well. I, Anyway, I appreciate that. There's There's a lot in there that I think is really speaks to me as someone who came back to sewing as a fat sewist marveling at the resources that exist now, but also feeling stymied by all the places those resources don't don't include fatter bodies. So this, this is delightful. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. That's really, really kind of you to say. And it's, I mean, that's all, that's all I wanted to achieve. You know, I think sewing because uh, sewing like with any self-sufficient hobby or activity, I think the, the, for me, the main 
wonder in learning these skills is the is the um, control that it gives you over your personal style, over you know whether that's oh I want you know you want to learn some basic plumbing or carpentry or whatever it is you know it gives you control over that yeah. area your life so you get to dictate how you look and all that kind of stuff and um and and I think that that should be limitless you know that there shouldn't there shouldn't be boundaries and obviously when I first started by Hand London I was working within the parameters of what yeah. I was aware of and what you know what we were kind of working with and 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 my own experience which was limited so and over the years obviously with all of these conversations around size inclusivity um it's really it's really opened my eyes and really cemented the fact that sewing has to be limitless in all ways it can't just be limitless in your choice of fabric or you know your 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 kind of the way that you can then piece styles together to match your own personal style and and all that kind of stuff like you have to be able to also create any garment that you want to suit your body no matter what your body shape is um, and and I re- yeah I really hope that I really hope that I've achieved that with this book. It it really does seem to be a testament to that idea, um, and and I appreciate that very much. What I also like about it is for me, I've been sewing for more than forty years, and I've drafted patterns for many years for my own body because of necessity, which is not necessarily the way you want to do that. Like it's nicer if it's an option instead of a mandate, but. Mm-hmm. As I started to read through it, one of the things I realized is when I started drafting patterns, it was literally me and sheets of newspaper, um, like from the morning newspaper, not blank like we might now have now to illustrate with, right? I was I was just taking the paper when my dad was done reading it and uh-huh. sketching out what it was I was going to do, but I didn't have any instructions. There weren't in the, the 70s and 80s. I wasn't finding books that told me how to do it. I just made it up. And what I like here is it feels accessible as I read it. Like as a, as a novice designer, I think I might be thinking how intimidating this must be. But as I read through your instructions, I'm like, Oh shit, that's actually like, I could do that. Um, (laughs) And so it's, it's really exciting. And of course I've got a lot of experience behind me. So it's hard for me to go back and think of it from a new sewing perspective. But I know that young me, would have found this to be refreshing and something that might have made me feel better about what I was doing instead of feeling like abandoned to it as the option that I had. And so I I appreciate the accessibility of the, even of the instructions and the way that they approach it as a, hey, it's okay that this is something new to you. You've got this. It's going to be fine. Yeah, I think, and I think that probably comes from the fact that I am not a professional pattern cutter. <laughs> um, and I, it's, you know, it's something that I've had to figure out for myself as I've gone along, yeah. um, along the way. And, and I, you know, I'm exactly the same. I, when I first started sewing my own clothes, I had, I was, you know, in my late teens and I had all these lofty ideas of the kinds of things that I wanted to sew, but I had very little experience. I had no yeah. pattern cutting or pattern drafting knowledge whatsoever and um and you know and I had some of those books like I had the kind of the metric pattern cutting and 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 I remember reading through some of those kind of technical industry pattern cutting books and just feeling so 
overwhelmed by it, so terrified, didn't understand a word of it. I don't really any, I don't really still understand a word of, you know, the way that the <laughs> books are written. They're just so technical and they're so, you know, it's just, a, it's a lot, basically. It's really, really a lot. It is. And, and, um, and, and they're teaching you how to make, you know, slopers and basic blocks and which is great. And obviously if you're studying fashion and you're going into the fashion industry, uh, you know, that's obviously absolutely indispensable knowledge and experience. But if you want to just like translate an idea that you have in your head onto paper into fabric, yeah. it needs to be simple. It needs to be easy to follow. It needs to be like, okay, right what's your bus measurement all right cool how much ease do we want let's add that in now we're gonna just like measure up to your shoulder seam and draw that in yep. and like, you know so that's kind of that's how I've uh tried to keep it I've tried and there's you know there's stuff in there that's a bit more complicated too the trouser pattern is probably more suitable to um you know to people that have some self-drafting experience that are confident with you know pattern alteration or at least um or if you've done a few of the projects in the book already that's definitely something to evolve to that's what I was thinking is when I looked at the pattern for the the pants I thought oh gosh the way you get there is by starting earlier and yeah. having drafted some of these other things because there there are some more complicated things about pants but honestly when I started sewing as an adult person it was so that my children had clothing to wear in the summer because back when I started sewing for them it was cheaper for me to buy fabric and make clothes than it was to buy clothes. And I know now with fast fashion and the way that that has evolved, for many people, it's a lot cheaper to run to your local big box store and buy clothing for your children than it is to make it. But it wasn't for me. And I had to learn how to make pants by looking at small wiggling child bodies, which was not necessarily the best way to do it. But I figured it out because I because I'd seen pants like I I don't wear them myself typically, but I I knew what pants were. I could kind of <laughs> approximate on it. And the kids were real quick to tell me, oh, no, mama, that's that's not enough. <laughs> I can't I can't jump the way I want to. I can't run the way I want to. And I I adapted from there. But I, I think it's it's like within reach for a beginner to do that. Definitely. It's helpful to have some words about how you might measure and make decisions about that crotch curve, for example, as Definitely. opposed to being kind of like, I don't know, they look about six inches deep, I'm going to guess, you know what I mean? So I, I think it it still gives folks a leg up as it were. I, I want to tell you amusingly, I went to my nine-year-old granddaughter's birthday party this past week, and it was a talent show. Amazing. Everybody had to bring a talent show for it. And my my daughter had put out a Facebook invite where you could kind of tell me your talent so we can put it in the program. And I said, I can make a dress for a child in under 30 minutes. That's wow. my talent. And I was joking because I'm like, I think I said under an hour, but I changed it during the announcement. But I But I thought she'd just be like, you know what? You could just watch the talent show. But she's like, great. I've got a sewing machine. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, now I'm making a dress. So... That is what I did this weekend. And what I had to do was exactly the kinds of things you're recommending in the book for illustrating the pattern. Only I didn't, I didn't go to paper because can't do that. And what turned out to be 29 minutes, no, 28 minutes. That's how that's long it took amazing. from announcement and measuring of the child to completing the dress. So you've got to know the chest measurement. You've got to know the depth from shoulder to bottom of arm side, basically. You've got to know the length. Right. And then you've got to kind of know, hey, how swishy do you want it to be? 
and make decisions from there. I French steamed this dress oh and finished God. in 28 minutes. I'm so full wow. of myself. <laughs> I don't think anyone there. Anyway, it was hilarious because I'm announcing it and I'm like, I said an hour, but I think I can do it in 45. What do you think? And then I'm like, I think I can do it in 30. And they're like, no. And so anyway, it was very exciting, but it was using the same principles. It was using the same idea of really, really simple things. And what's amazing to me is when you put your your heart in it, how much you can do that you don't know you can do. Yeah, exactly. Right? Absolutely. And this book is speaks to that. This is such an opportunity to say, for the probably the average sewing person, all I've ever done is do what Butterick or Vogue or whoever has told me to do. Yeah. I don't know if I believe I can do this, but I think this book really helps you walk through it and go, shit, I can absolutely do this. And yeah. the first project I make may not be what I want my last project to look like, but it proves I can do it, that I can I can make a thing and pull it onto my body or wrap it around my body. Yeah. And it it works. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very excited about it. Are there any other things you'd like to share with us about the book, your plans for it, the giant, I'm sure, international book tour? <laughs> what what is what <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm 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 currently almost six months pregnant. So I think the international book tour might have to wait a little bit. In fact, I actually just have just had to cancel the launch party, which was supposed to be next week, mostly just because I, the thought of having to stay awake beyond 8.30 is just not okay right now. I was like, you know what? We'll have we'll have a party in six months' time in the summer, and 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 we'll you know we'll leave it until then. Um, I no, I, I, I taught a class last weekend, which was really fun. We taught. I did a, 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 a we taught a class on the based on the prairie dress project in the book. Wonderful. Uh, and that was really, really fun. Um, and I have a, I've got a book signing. I mean, this will only be relevant for, for South East, uh, South East London, UK listeners, but I've got a uh, signing at a shop called Stag and Bow on Saturday, the 18th of November, which will be really fun. Um, but that's it really. I mean, I'm kind of just. Um, I'm just I'm just basking in in the glow of the release and feeling uh, I'm feeling very proud of what I've done and yeah. and just really hoping that I'm really hoping that like it's um it's it's well received basically and just and obviously like whenever you know the same the same feeling whenever I put out a pattern but obviously now this is 16 times more intense yeah. I'm just you know excited to see people's versions um of of the projects inside and just really hoping that they get on well and and what you said a moment ago really is like is is a huge huge factor of it at all of of, of the whole thing is that thing of people are so much more capable than maybe they realize and yep. I really hope that this book will give them that kind of inspiration to not only to draft the projects in the book, but to go on to then completely change the projects in the book and, you know, and, yep. and, and realize when they're at the sleeve stage, like, oh, okay, that's how Elise Lex says to do the sleeve, but actually I want to do it like this. And yep. then they can change it completely and and then go on to transfer those skills and that confidence onto any other pattern that they work with, onto fitting other patterns and just having that. I always say that in my when I teach fitting classes that pattern alteration is it's 
got nothing to do with perfection, but everything to do with investigation. Yes. And it's and it's just that it's it's a constant curiosity of your body and how it's changing and fluctuating and how you can best clothe that body in the most comfortable way. And um and I think that it's I love I, that. Thank you. I, I hope that people will take that um that same kind of curiosity and that same um childlike openness to learn and openness to make mistakes and openness to chop and change into this kind of pattern drafting and pattern fitting process as well. Yeah, my my big thing for for folks who are going to draft their patterns using this book is to note that sleeves sleeves often feel fussy. To me, those are the scary part. When I designed for myself, figuring out exactly how to shape my sleeve cap and the arm side and all of that junk. But the thing to know about that is that if you already have a sleeve you love, I bet you can adapt it to fit on something you draft for yourself. I bet you can adapt it to another garment. It's easier than it looks. Just try it. Yeah. Because your worst case scenario is you unpick the sleeve and try a different one. And so it's so low stakes. Totally. No, and I and I am absolutely no pattern cutting purist whatsoever. And there's I've got, you know, there's a, a tip in the book that says exactly that. It's like if you've got a sleeve head and an armhole that already fits you well, whether that be on an existing garment that you've bought in the shops or in a pattern that you've already yep. bought and it works well, you've tweaked it, whatever, use that. Like, you know, it's not cheating. You don't have to start from scratch. Use what you've But here's got. the thing. Even if it's cheating, who cares? Right. This isn't, nobody's scoring you on this. This is, this is just for you. Frankenstein the crap out of it so that you get to a thing that makes you smile and then be proud. You can claim the entire drafting for yourself, even if the sleeve came from someone else. It's you did this. They didn't. They never thought to put it together with this bodice that you self-drafted. So, it's uh it's a really exciting thing. I look forward to seeing the many many proud garments that people develop out of this and to being able to tag the ones that I make as well. I can't wait to see what you make. I really I really can't wait to see what you make and what everybody else makes. I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, I hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Elisa Lex. I know I did. I was so excited when she agreed to sit and chat with me. She's such a great guest. She absolutely is. And I I encourage you to take a look at the book. I genuinely, I I love it. And I am excited to get a start on reading through it. Um, But I guess that wraps us up for the week. Um, If you'd like to support the show, you can hit us up on patreon.com slash punkfrockers. There are three levels of membership you can look into there, one of which comes with our awesome monthly bonus episodes. And you can go back and listen to all of them. So if you've already gone through all the content we offer publicly, you can also pay to get access to a back catalog there. Yes. And if you do not want to support our show through Patreon, you can also just support us by sharing us with your friends and rate and review us on your favorite podcast catcher. Oh, that'd be great. There's nothing quite as exciting as when I log into our Instagram and see 10 new subscribers, probably because one of you suddenly went, hey, y'all should be listening to this and people hear you and they go and do it. It's really exciting for us. Um, And with that, we really appreciate you tuning in. And I guess we will see See you next Tuesday. Tuesday. 
Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.